the last part of your brain to grow from age seven on is the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for reasoning, rational thought, problem solving, emotional regulation, all of the good stuff, but it doesn't finish growing until mid to late twenties. Welcome to the Parenting ADHD podcast, where I share insights and strategies on raising kids with ADHD straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, ADHD-aholic, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD podcast. Today, I have Robin McMahon with me, a parenting coach, and we're going to talk about how to stop yelling at your kids. She's the author of the book, The Yelling Cure. And I'm really excited to get her insights on all things parental yelling because it's so easy to fall into that trap and none of us want to. And I think we all know by now that not yelling at our kids, things turn out a lot better. So I'm so glad that you're here, Robin, to share some wisdom and insights on this topic. Will you just start by introducing yourself to our audience? Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So first and foremost, I am a mom of a child with ADHD. So I understand all of this. And it's really ADHD in part with some other things that my son also struggles with that has really brought me to this place. And I come from being a really angry, overwhelmed mom who just did not understand why my kid was acting the way he was acting. And yeah, I had a tough birth with him and then he was just a tough kid. And of course I thought it was all my fault and I didn't understand Mm. it. And I also didn't want to label him. So it was a really tough go at the start. So for me, I come from being that really angry, overwhelmed mom. And I was able to really heal the I guess the wounds in me when I started working with somebody who was a parenting coach. And so that's why I do the work that I do now, because it made such an incredible change in me. Because at the end of the day, I can't change my child. As you all know, Um, I can only change me. So that has led me to this career as being a parenting coach. And I work with you know, parents from all over the world. I have my book called The Yelling Cure. And I also have a show called Parenting Our Future. That's my podcast. So yeah, I am dedicated to this work and helping parents navigate this really tough job of parenting that we do. Yeah, it's so tough in general. But when we add complex kids, we add such complexity to parenting, you know, the normal rules just don't apply anymore. And you really have to discard everything you think about parenting and sort of rewrite a rule book just for each of your kids. So, which I think we should do anyway. We should be parenting individuals. That's a whole nother topic we could talk about <laughs> another time. It's so incredibly easy for us to get wrapped up in yelling mm-hmm. when things don't work, when our kids don't respond or react mm-hmm. or follow our instructions. You know, we're wired in kind to respond in kind. We're wired to respond in kind. And so we're automatically going to have this instinct to yell back or to, you know, give them the same attitude back. (laughs) And so how do we put pause on that and respond in a better way? Well, you said so much there. So yes, you do get really bad attitudes. Sometimes you get yelling and screaming at you. You get demanding 
attitude, you know, and you also get refusal to listen and refusal to even hear your requests, right? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that I tell parents is you've got to just, you, you really said the word, you said pause, but you have to pause and then you have to do a couple things in that pause. Mm -hmm. So just stop for a second. Okay. And that takes practice. So I'm not saying this is going to come easily to you and it's not going to feel natural, Yeah. but you've got to fight for this, right? Cause you want to fight for your kid too, right? You don't want that relationship with your child. You know, this relationship, we want it to last forever, not just until they're 18 or 19 when they're, you know, when they're gone. So you first want to stop for a second remind yourself that this behavior is not personal. It's not about you. So it's not about mm -hmm. you at all. This is your child struggling with something or in the case where you've asked them and they haven't answered you, they're just completely consumed in their own little world. So we need to respect that too. So one is we've got to pause. We've got to not take it personally and the pause and this space really puts a space between what is happening in front of us with our kids and what is happening inside of us with us. Because oftentimes mm -hmm. we react based on what we are feeling in that moment, right? If I'm yeah. having the best day ever and I feel good, I look great, you know, life is good. And my son comes up to me and he's in some kind of turmoil I am much more likely to say, oh, baby, okay, come here. And yes, I see you're having such a hard time right now. But if I'm already overwhelmed and I have just, you know, had something happen that was frustrating or overwhelming for me or whatever, whatever, you get it. And then my kid comes to me and it's just like the icing on the cake or the straw, <laughs> the last straw. Yes. And I will like let it out on my kid, right? And so yeah. when you put that pause in place, you get to decide in that moment, am I going to show up for my kid the way I know I want to, or am I going to react from the place that I'm in? And sometimes you need a moment to just like center yourself, take a breath, calm yourself down, because this is too important. This relationship with your child is too important. And his behavior or her behavior is just them saying, I need help. I don't know how to do it a different way. Yes. My parenting mantra in my head all the time is your child isn't giving you a hard time. Your child is having a hard time. Oh, That's it. what I think during my pause, right? Yeah. Is it's not personal, just like you said. And I love that you brought up teasing apart what's our stuff and our mm. kids stuff yeah. because I was that parent for so long I did not even think about it just wasn't on my radar mm. to think about the fact that my own anxiety would play into my responses to my kids or what I was asking them to do or not to do and I really have to be very mindful is this a problem for them mm. or is it only a problem for me <laughs> and a lot of times when our kids are intense, it's a problem for them, too, because they do want to feel good and do good. And they can't when things are, are going awry for them. Right. So, you know, that's a big piece of it, too, I think. And imagine if every time you were upset as an adult, every time you were upset and you went to your husband or your partner and you said, like, I just like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm really upset right now. I don't know how to handle this thing. And he got mad at you or she got mad at mm. you and yelled right back at you. And said, I don't have time for this. What are you talking about? Just, you know, just be quiet and get out of here. 
Can you imagine how that would feel? That's what we're doing to our kids sometimes. And I know we don't mean to, but that's what it's like. Yeah, that's such a good example. I mean, we really have to think about it. Like, how would you speak to your friend or a colleague or a family member, like an adult family member? That's the way you should be speaking to your kids, too. Mm -hmm. You know, they're people. (laughs) They're not just miniature versions of us that are supposed to be just like us. They're their own person. No, exactly. And by the way, we don't get the kids that we want. We get the kids we need. And so sometimes that's the opposite of who we are. And that is exactly what happened in my case. It's like the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, so many times ADHD runs in families. And Mm -hmm. when you have ADHD as a parent, it really adds another even level of complexity. But a lot of us don't have ADHD and we're very different and we have to really put aside what life is like for us, how our brain works, how school went for us, and Mm -hmm. think about the brain that our kid has and what it's like for them and the fact that it can be totally, totally different. Well, you know what's really interesting, what you just said there, and I just feel compelled to say this. One of the problems that I had in my parenting was I didn't feel heard. And so Mm -hmm. I can trace that back now to my childhood when my dad wasn't listening to me. And guess what? My dad 100% had ADHD. So Mm -hmm. I took his ADHD as him not listening to me and not caring about what I had to say and not valuing my voice or my thoughts or my ideas. And then when I had my son, Parker, I felt the exact same way. And so I'm yelling at him like, I'm the boss now. You better listen to me now, you know, and was he really yelling at the wrong person? And now when I see that they both had ADHD, I mean, how interesting is that? Yeah. And our kids show us what's going on for us, like what it's bringing up from our past or what we have to deal with that we haven't quite worked through yet. You know, our kids are really good at (laughs) shining a light on that stuff, right? Well, yeah, because if you weren't mad about it, it's not an issue, right? If it doesn't trigger intense emotion, then it's not a trigger for you. It's There isn't more there. But if it is, it's really your invitation to say, okay, I got to look at this. Why do I get so mad when this little thing happens or big yeah. thing happens? Whatever it is, like no judgment if it's big or little. But what is that about for me? And I think we have to question, you know, sort of sit back and say, okay, like, why am I acting this way? And also what's going on with my kid too, right? Yeah. You really have to think about both in those moments when you're trying not to yell and explode, right? (laughs) There's so much to consider and it all matters a great deal. Mm. Well, and I would really say that's the next step, right? So once you've taken that moment and you've really paused and you've sort of checked in with yourself, right? The next part is to get curious, right? Because Mm -hmm. I know without a shadow of a doubt. And Penny, I think you do too, that our kids are not going out of their way to manipulate us, to drive us crazy, to try to, you know, just get their way. Absolutely. Maybe they need something and maybe you can look at it as, you know, them trying to get their way, but they are just trying to communicate with us, but they don't know how yet. And so we need to get curious and get to what's actually driving the behavior because sometimes our kids will ask for what they need and what they want in the most unlovable ways because (laughs) they don't have a fully grown brain. They can't articulate their feelings and needs. They don't understand them, right? And it's up to us to help them, not to punish them 
to make them learn. It's to help them. It's to teach them. Yeah, to help them grow. And so many of our kids with ADHD really struggle with emotional communication and awareness. And so they can't, as you said, always tell us what's going on for them, or they can't process it and be able to regulate if they haven't identified it as an issue, right? Or or they know, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for this behavior, or they know, you know, this is not how I wanted to talk to my mom, but they still don't have those skills yet Yet. to communicate and regulate yet. Exactly. And I think we have to look to what brain science tells us that, you know, our kids aren't grown with a fully grown brain. Until they're seven years old, they live in their emotional brain. So they really express everything through emotion. And they're really comfortable expressing emotion because they're not like us where we have, you know, where it's not socially acceptable to do that and have a Mm -hmm. meltdown in the middle of Target or, you know, wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And... We, because we are older and the last part of your brain to grow from age seven on is the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for reasoning, rational thought, problem solving, emotional regulation, all of the good stuff, but it doesn't finish growing until mid to late twenties. Yeah. First of all, it's good news. You've got lots of time, but the flip side is, is that your child just can't actually do what you're asking yet. So just help them. We're here to support them and help them, not punish them and put them down and criticize them. Yeah, because so often that behavior that we're seeing that feels personal isn't. You know, you already mentioned to quit taking it personally, but they're not showing like their true negative character. Mm -hmm. They're not disrespectful kids. They're not oppositional kids. They have what looks like disrespect and opposition on occasion, maybe frequently for some, because there's some lagging skill or unmet need or some struggle that they're having because they want to do well. So if they could, they would, right? Absolutely. And this really is just about the fact that their brain works differently. So how can Mm -hmm. you treat a child whose brain works differently in an unlovable way, you know? I'll tell you what, they already feel bad about themselves. They already feel bad about themselves. They already know that they're other. And then you add on, you know, how they're parented. And so yelling just takes you further and further away from finding out what's really going on. And I want to also say, you know, that we deserve some empathy for us too. Like we have to take care of us because even with all that I've said, it's still really hard. There are times where my son, when he's in a good mood, which is lovely to see, lovely to see, it is nonstop talking. Yeah. And it is hard sometimes to stay interested, although I really do try. It's hard to listen to it all. Sometimes he'll talk to other people and I'm just there. Sometimes when he's mad, he'll just go on and on and on and on Mm -hmm. and on. And that's hard to withstand. Like, yeah, it's not about me, but I'm losing my patience, you know? So like, I just want to recognize it's really hard too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it triggers us and we have to just take a break. We have to just say, I can't help you right now until we're all calmer. Let's go off by ourselves, get calm, do what we need to do, and then let's come back and talk about this. Yeah. Because they can't problem solve, and you can't problem solve when you're that emotional. Your thinking brain is offline. 
Exactly. And your brain is stuck. And a couple of things you can do to help them is to say, okay, come on, let's walk and talk about it. You know, like to snap their brain out of it, you mm. can make them move, right? Give them yeah. something to eat, right? Give them something crunchy or something chewy that'll help snap their brain out of it. But then also, <laughs> I know all those things. And it was just the other day where my son was so mad about something. We had to wait in line to get electric scooters. Okay. Mm. And it wasn't that long of a line, but he just couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it. And he was mad and he was like going off and he was swearing. And I'm like, you just can't swear because we're in public, right? And there's other right. people around us and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And my husband and I are just looking at, it, at each other just like sort of helplessly, right? And I just turned to him and I wanted to just, I'm going to be honest, I wanted to just scream at him and just tell him, will you just shut up? Will mm -hmm. you shut up and stop being such a jerk? That's what I wanted to say. But instead, with all my might, with all my might, yes. I turned to him instead and I said, this is so hard for you, isn't it? And I yeah. wasn't, you know, I wasn't met with, yeah, you're right, mom. It really is hard. He's like, no, you know, no, no. And then expletive, it's hard for me. You know, it's right. like, or it was like, you know, shut up or I don't want to talk to you. And like, there's nothing I can do. He is stuck in that brain. Yeah. And it's not personal because I can see he is like, it's, it's like hell on earth for him. He just yeah. can't handle it. There's nothing that I can say and do other than not hold it against him and just, you know, talk to him later. Like, hey, buddy, you know, I just got to let you know it's not cool to swear when there's other people around and there's kids around. You know, you can do better than that. But if you're really upset, I get it. You know, I get it. Yeah. And maybe too talking about what do you think might help you the next time that happens? Mm -hmm. What can I do to help exactly. you handle it better? Is there some tool that we could bring with us to help you, you know, something to occupy him while he's waiting or, you know, there's always something at least to try the next time. Like obviously there, once they're stuck and they've fallen off the cliff, they just have to recover. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that we're going to do or say that's going to make that better right in the thick of the moment. That's not the teaching moment. But no, later, no. you know, we can offer, well, what do you think might help next time you have to wait in a line like that, you know? And yeah. there's so many opportunities that we squander because our own frustration just bubbles to the surface and, you know, yeah. comes flying out. But yeah, that's such a good example too, because I think every parent listening has been through that. Totally. And, you know, I want to say too, that what I prefer to do <laughs> when I'm in my higher brain and mm -hmm. I've got my own rational thought and, you know, is to anticipate that, right? To anticipate, oh, okay, he's not going to like this because there's going to be a long line, yep. right? So I already know. And so I've already got something in my own backpack of, you know, tricks and, yep. and tools and stuff, right? Like, oh, yeah, I know. I know there is. Here, I brought you, you know, I brought you a pack of M&Ms or something like that, right? Something that is totally his love language, something that he'll be super happy and pleased about that will just make it a lot less, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because putting that effort in on the front end, if you will, I always talk about this, mm -hmm. like putting the effort in on the front end will save you the hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Say it, on the back end, right? I use all sorts of different words to describe the back end, but I don't want to swear <laughs> in your podcast. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Instead of getting caught in that where he is off the cliff, you know, what can we do to prevent it? And at the same time, sometimes we just can't even, like for me, it was enough just to get him out. I didn't even want to talk about the lineup because I knew he would be out 
right away. So I couldn't, I just, I knew like in that moment, I couldn't. So yeah, it's planning for the what ifs, which as a person with anxiety, I automatically do. So that was one like good complex kid parenting skill that came pretty automatic to me because I also do it for myself. But just thinking about, okay, what might come up for my son in this situation? What can I bring? What chat can I have with him to prepare him before? You know, and also mentally preparing ourselves that if we have to leave something, then we have to leave. Like sometimes there's times and we used to be the worst about trying to stick it out because my son has an older sister. And if we had to stop doing something as a family, it took away from her, right? And it was so hard to do that. And so we would try to stick things out way past when we should have. And that ended up being traumatizing for his sister and probably him and the rest of us too. But you have to know when like to challenge and to try to teach and to try to hold on and when to say, okay, in this moment, this is just not going to work. And we're all suffering and it's time to just end it and move on. And we can try again later. Like for us, a big one was going to the local baseball games. And my son was the poster child of hyperactive impulsive. And so he was everywhere. And we all really like to watch the baseball game, which is super slow and not at all engaging for an ADHD brain. And it felt like he was ruining our experience. Mm. And if that was the story we told ourselves, then yeah, we're yelling, right? We're upset. We're like, sit down. Why can't you just, you know, all the things Mm. that you start out with as parents when you don't know better. And we learned, we did better. We got to where we prepared better. We didn't go as often, or we might take his sister, just her and have him stay with his grandparents sometimes. Like you have to give yourself some grace because you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And when you do know, you'll do better. You know, I always feel like there's such a hard line between thinking that you're allowing your kid to ruin something versus just accepting who they are and where they are and what they need in that moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love everything you said about that. And I think that's just being realistic, right? Yeah. But you also have to, for all of those parents around you, and maybe it's your own family, maybe it's your parents, your, you know, your in-laws, you've got to let go of expectations. Like, sorry, we're just not a family that can actually go to a game every weekend. We, we just can't do that. And maybe you need to feel some feelings about that as a parent. You know, I know that I have had to mourn the loss of many things that I feel that I don't get to do now because my child has challenges, right? And Mm -hmm. instead of holding that against him, he's just being him. I just have to make sense of it, you know? And it does mean I had to let go of of some things and make it okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you did too. I'm sure you wanted to live at that, you know, at that ballpark. (laughs) Oh, we wanted to just go and do all the things, you know, like we thought happy families did. And, you know, so many of them just didn't go so great. And it's hard, like it's hard to be in those moments and think about your other kid or think about what you feel like you're missing out. You know, as a parent, we go through those phases where we feel like, oh, we missed out. We had a child that won't do this or that or can't do this or that. And You know, I know I've worked with a lot of parents who are sports fanatics or they really believe in kids playing sports when they're young. 
And sometimes our kids just are not sports kids, especially not team sports. And (laughs) you have to accept that, like, this dream that you had of, you know, coaching your kid playing soccer isn't really the reality of the kid you have. And that's hard. I mean, there Mm -hmm. is grief to that. There is a process to accepting and letting go. But I will say there's a whole lot more joy when you get there. When you're fighting against reality, it's so painful. Yeah, you're so right. And what we also have to recognize, even though we have to make sense of it and we have to sort of mourn the loss of that dream, is that that really is our dream Mm -hmm. that we're putting on our kid. That's not his dream. Like if he doesn't want to play, I'm Canadian. So if he doesn't want to play hockey, which is of course, you know, all we do here, (laughs) not really, but (laughs) whatever it is, like you, you have to like kind of get over it too, because like, that's your dream for your life with a child that didn't get a say when you started having that dream. Right. And now you're faced with a child that, you know, has a, a beating heart of his own that beats to a different drum than yours. Right. And, And when you accept it, you're so right. Like what beautiful things you can learn, you can experience, you know, through your child by just letting them be who they truly are, you know, and I'm sure you, you know, lots of parents who have even had jobs that they're like, yeah, I didn't, I, I had one client and she said, She's in marketing. And I said, oh, that sounds great because I love marketing personally. And that's my my past career. And she said, no, I wanted to be in the theater. And I thought, oh, you know, and she just did that to please her parents because they were running their agenda, not honoring what she wanted. Right. And that leaves a mark. Right. So it does. It really does. My father had a really hard time with me getting a college degree that was not career ready. (laughs) I got a degree in sociology. And for him, you know, it was practical to spend the money on a college education that you go right into a job and it would be good paying and you'd be set up, right? That's the mentality that I grew up in. And then, you know, I have a differently wired kid and Mm -hmm. I also have a kid with a lot of anxiety who's very creative and introverted. And so she's, about to finish an art degree in college. And I think all the time over the last four years (laughs) about how painful that probably is for him sometimes to think about. And that I was able, like patting Mm. myself on the back, I was able to be like, hey, follow your passion. You can be an artist and survive and be happy. You don't have to be a lawyer or a banker, computer programmer, you know, all these things that we think are going to set them up, right? Just follow your bliss and the bliss will come is what I think. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And let's not forget that the jobs of tomorrow aren't even invented yet. And that art degree might serve her so well. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, I, I, I so love that your dad wanted that for you. Of course, of course yeah. he did. Like, of course he did, because that's safety. And then he can sit back and just not be anxious mm-hmm. about you, because that's really what it's about. Yes. Sorry, Dad. It is. It totally you know? is. My it dad. totally is. Yeah. And I do sometimes have those worries. And, you know, college was not right yet for my son. And so right now mm-hmm. he's just sort of trying to find his way, which means a lot of sleeping and gaming and getting over how hard school was. And I have to just keep reminding myself, like, he'll find it, he'll get there. And it's okay if the journey looks different for him. And it's okay if it takes longer. 
And yes, that comes with some anxiety. I mean, I have anxiety about it all the time. It's been nine months and he still is not ready to move forward in a direction. And, you know, I do worry about that, but I've learned to remind myself that that's my stuff and that I have to let him be himself and follow the process. And it's not to say I'm still going to let him sleep all day and game all night five years from now. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go down that path forever. But sometimes our kids just need no pressure for a while. And I tell you, when you take the pressure off, those instances where you're triggered to yell are so much fewer, so, so much fewer Yeah, because they're being triggered by that pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. And we pass that stress back and forth, right? Stress mm-hmm. is contagious, that pressure, that stress, right? And, you know, we also have to notice the way we look at this. First of all, I don't know if you've heard the book, He's Not Lazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the best book for ADHD parents. And, You know, it's so interesting because what he talks about, the author talks about, is how we call those boys lost causes, but we used to call them late bloomers. Mm. And doesn't late bloomer have so much more hope? Like, it's okay, he's just not ready yet. And he doesn't have a fully grown brain. He still has five, maybe 10 years of brain growth left. So he is going to be a completely different person, right? Mm -hmm. Soon enough. And you just need to be his safe place. And that's exactly what you are for him right now. Yeah, yeah. And that brings up another thing, too, is that we have to quit worrying about our kids' futures. We have to really be in the now. When my son was in kindergarten, things were really hard. Of course, we didn't know that he had any differences yet because he hadn't gone to preschool. He stayed with his grandma. And so everything kind of hit the fan at one time and everything was super hard. And I remember his kindergarten teacher at the end of the year, she said to me, you know, he's got to pull it together for heaven's sake. He's going to be reading chapter books in two years. And that hurt, first of all. It was so not helpful. All she was doing was rubbing salt in the wound. She wasn't awesome anyway, but that's another story. It's in one of my books. It just... It was really painful for me to hear it. Now I can look back and I can go, well, you know, you can't worry that far in advance. Yeah, that was only two years. But like when she said that, then we were freaking out about graduation and his adult life. Like we Mm -hmm. just went full on over that cliff. And then I'm stressed. I'm stressing my kid. Everybody's freaking out now. Like, it's so contagious, just as you said. It's so contagious. If we live in the now and I'm not worried about 10 years from now, it's Mm -hmm. so much easier to probably make 10 years from now better in the long run because we're focused on now. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing. I think that when you future parent like that and you catapult yourself into the future, you're parenting from fear now. And now you're putting your fear on your child and you're not Mm -hmm. accepting what is. Okay, so right now he's having trouble reading. Let's just deal with that today. And for those parents, you and I have kids in their teens, right? Your daughter might be older, Older, I think, right? But I think you and I have the benefit of knowing that there is help along the way. 
that Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry that your child is going to be sitting alone in a classroom and everybody else is reading chapter books except for him. He's reading board books or whatever you conjure up in your imagination for like how left behind your child is. There's help along the way. And don't worry. And in fact, when we are fully present with our kids and we can parent them in this really intentional way, right, where we're not reacting from our stuff, we're not running our own agenda, we are just seeing them as their own being, their own human with their own life ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And we parent them, respecting them and loving them and honoring that, you know, look, this can be hard, all of those things, that ensures their future well-being. And in fact, it also ensures our future well-being because we are infinitely connected to our children. And when they're doing well, we're doing well, just like your dad, right? He was stressed about you. (laughs) So he's not doing well, right? But you can see that like, when our kids are thriving, we thrive too, right? And so- Take it one step at a time. Do not catapult into the future. And if COVID has told us anything, it's told us that we do not know what is around the corner Uh, and whatever is around the corner, we are powerless to deal with whatever that is. So just stay here. You have no idea what the future has in store whatsoever. Yeah, that's so true. And things get so much better. Mm. Our kids build skills. They mature maybe at a much slower rate, they mature later, but they do get there. Like my kid at almost 19 is unrecognizable Mm -hmm. compared to the kid I had at six, seven, eight, nine years old. You know, he was the hyperactive kid standing on his head, running around, you know, knocking things down, not being able to listen and follow through. And now he's extremely calm, probably too sedentary at this point because of COVID. But like that pendulum swung in the exact opposite arena. And I never would have foreseen that. And so I worried about it. You know, how is he going to get to graduation if he can't get through kindergarten? Okay. Yeah. And I didn't need to. I didn't need to because none of the behavior and the things that were an issue at that age lasted you know, 10 years down the road, they got better, so much got better. And I think, you know, parents of especially younger kids, you've got to know that it can and it mm-hmm. does get better. And and because you're here listening to this podcast, you're wanting to do the best you can to help your child. And so you've kind of not guaranteed, but almost, you know, you've given them at least 75, 80% chance mm-hmm. of doing great. I think there's greatness in everyone and every kid. We just have to help our kids find it. Yeah, I totally agree. You're right. If you're listening to this, you're already winning because you're a parent who cares enough to parent these kids in a way that helps them to thrive the best that they can. Mm -hmm. Yes, we could talk forever. I I say this at the end of almost every podcast. We could talk forever about this (laughs) because I'm, you know, so passionate about it. I have so much life experience now with it. And so many of the guests that we have are the same. And so it's so hard to to cut things off and have short conversations. But we are out of time. Anything else you wanted to make sure that you mentioned before we close? You know what? Just that, you know, you're not alone. And, um, you know, make sure you do things for you that find you joy if you're a parent listening because you got to make sure you're okay, because this is tough. This is really tough. Mm-hmm. And when we feel good, we can do good, just like our kids. Yeah. So we have to feel good in order to 
be that amazing parent that we want to be. And that amazing parent still has flaws and times that they yell. Let's just put that out there too. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Exactly. This is the practice of peaceful parenting. This isn't perfect parenting. So let's not pretend that, you know, I'm not perfect. And, you know, there isn't such a thing. We just do the best we can every moment. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Everyone listening for the show notes, you can go to parentingadhdandautism.com slash 145 for episode 145. And we'll have links to Robin's website and social media and ways to connect and learn more from her and even potentially do some coaching as well, some parent coaching. So you can find all that information there. Go and check it out. I really encourage you to do that. And with that, we will close. I will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks for joining me on the Parenting ADHD podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses, parent coaching, and mama retreats at parentingadhdandautism.com.com.